under the blood, you ought to stand with us. I'm actually going to ask the Lord to keep prayer. You will lead us to God in prayer this morning. We have a number of needs. We have an unspoken need. Friend David Paul of Grace. I remember praying for Bethany Young this morning. Eric Kidman morning healing him. We also want to pray for a four-year-old named Madden Stacy, who's originally from Victoria, who is able to needing a miracle. I mean to believe today that God can meet these needs. And just go with our brother today as we leave this in prayer. Praise God this morning, pray this morning. I just want to exalt one another this morning. Of the faithfulness of our God, that he's still alive and under control. You may find yourself in this house this morning, even questioning who he is. Wondering he can even deliver you from the situation that you find yourself in. Maybe it's overwhelming this morning. Maybe you've got lots of questions and wondering. I encourage you this morning. Go all in and ask him into your life. Go all in and allow him to take control of your life in all areas of your life. The grave is empty. And he's alive to what? today and forevermore. Alive today and forevermore. And he reigns supreme in your life if you allow him to. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your presence, the power of your resurrection, and the power of your Holy Spirit that walks to and fro in this house this morning. Father, you walk diligently up and down the aisles this morning for the power of your Holy Spirit. In and out of the pews this morning. Father, you walk in and out this morning. Lord, you have a desire to bring deliverance to this house this morning. Father, you have a desire to lift the weight of men and women that they carry this morning. You have a desire to bring freedom from sin this morning. You have a desire to bring hope into the hopeless situation this morning. I pray, Father, the individual, the residue, the magnitude of who you are was settled in such a way like never before, oh God. We're obedient to rise from the brokenness, oh God. I pray men and women would find a way to you this morning. I pray over every need, every need that's been mentioned, Lord. The way over the West Coast, Father God, from right to the end of this province this morning. I pray, Father, this nation needs you. This nation needs an awakening. This nation needs the power of your Holy Ghost. This settle, I pray. I ask, oh God, you would visit the ward for brokenness and sickness life. I pray over that child this morning. I pray over that young adult this morning, Lord. I ask, oh God, a visitation to the wards this morning, oh God. I pray your touch, Lord, upon all brokenness this morning. All sicknesses in Jesus. I ask in your mighty name. Father, I pray over the structure of the mind this morning. I pray a release over the broken mind this morning that goes to and fro. Father God, thinking every thought, Lord, I pray peace, Lord, over the minds this morning in Jesus' name. Father, you're in this house this morning. You're in this house in power and light this morning. We acknowledge you and all of you are our Lord. I speak deliverance over this house this morning in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Surround 
made you for my glory. Nothing can take that. Nothing can change that. For I have created you for my glory. You may think that your past makes you not able to reach what I have created you for. But let me say it once again. I have created you for my glory. In my presence there is freedom. Freedom from your past. Freedom from your addiction. Freedom from your thought pattern. I am the God who has created you for my glory. Now it is time to walk in my freedom. Freedom from all the things that you think you are. Freedom from everything that you think you're bound by. For I am your God who has created you, who has knit you together in your mother's womb. I am the one that breathed life into only dirt and created the greatest understanding that I have known. My child, the one whom I love, I have called you unto my own. You are for my glory. Now walk in the freedom that I am. Walk in the freedom that I lay before you. All you have to do is call upon my name. Watch how grace flows abundantly and I separate your sin as far as the east is from the west. Walk in my freedom and know that I have created you for my glory. Oh, my child. Listen to the words that have been presented before you. You lay awake at night, you toss and turn, and you don't know where to go. But I am there with you always. I seek you. You are prone to wander, but I am prone to chase hard after you. Come on with me, my child. Come into who you are. My glory. My glory. For I am who I say I am, and I have called you to be who I have called you to be. I say the Lord of God.
have a new Sunday school star this morning that we want to highlight before we bring our children forward. Megan Wellen. If you are Megan. You have a picture of the back there somewhere. How are you doing? What grade are you in? Five. Wow. And what do you like to do in grade five? Jim. Jim is always fun. This is for you. Could you stretch out your hand? We're going to pray for Megan. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Megan and for her life and her family who faithfully brings her to church. Father, I pray that you would bless her life. I pray that you would be with her as she goes to school every day. I pray that you would help her to do well. And I pray that your hand would continue to be upon her life. We pray, dear Lord, that you would guide her, direct her. We believe you've got big plans for her. And I pray for her family today as well, that you might give them wisdom and direction to lead Megan in your ways. We thank you for her, and we pray now that you would bless her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give her a hand. Sins are bad things that we do. So 
when we do bad things, Jesus forgives us exactly. He's above us and he, he is near us. He's above us. <laughs> wow. And he's near us. Awesome. What's another reason why we love Jesus? Because he died on the cross for us because he died on the cross for us. Anybody else have a reason why we love Jesus?
parts of Africa, and even the United Kingdom, barring Franklin Graham from preaching the gospel in any arena. That's what we said to you a few weeks ago, Park. So the word of God is being fulfilled. We thank God that we can trust in Him. Seeking the Lord much earlier this week for this morning's service and thought that I would be sharing and Thyatira and begin to prepare until the Lord directed me forcibly to share on the election of deacons. We are fastly approaching our annual meeting and we feel the Lord would have us share this morning from His Holy Word. If you have your Bibles, let's stand, shall we? We're turning to three portions of Scripture. We're reading from the book of Acts, chapter 6. We're reading from 1 Timothy, chapter 3. We're reading from Titus, chapter 1. Acts, chapter 6. We're going to read from a couple of different translations. We want you to listen to it this morning. Acts, chapter 6, beginning to read in verse 1. And in those days... When the number of disciples were multiplied or increasing, there was complaining or murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of food. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples together and said, It is not good or it is not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve tables or to wait on tables. Wherefore, look out from among you seven men of honor's report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this pleased the whole group. Now over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 18 and down, verse 8 rather, down to verse 13. Paul, now writing to the young pastor Timothy, says, In the same way, deacons are to be grave. King James says grave, but we no longer call anybody grave. It means worthy of respect. Grave, worthy of respect. Sincere, not indulging in wine not given over to dishonest gain, sincere, not double-tongued, and must keep the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be proved or tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the wives must be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things, worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of one wife or faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. Now to our last scripture reading this morning from the book of Titus. Chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul, dealing now again with the appointment of elders, says, The reason I left you in Crete, that you would put in order what I left unfinished, and appoint and ordain elders in every city 
as I have appointed you. An elder must be blameless. Husband of one wife, which means faithful to his wife. A man who children believe and are open to being do not be charged of being abused, wild, disobedient, unruly, or cursed. Our text verse is verse 3 and 4 of Acts of the Apostle. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you, seven of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, who but we can appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Heavenly Father, I'm doing what you want me to do this morning, but this will be a difficult task. So now I ask in the name of Jesus for the anointing of the Spirit. We ask for clarity of thought, and we pray that what we have read from the Holy Scriptures will find a lodging place in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We as Pentecostals have been afforded the privilege to be able to choose from among us people of good report, men and women of godliness that are able to lead our church and to present a testimony in a community that we are indeed people of the book and we believe what we preach and what we teach. Over the years, I'm sure many times you've heard the pastor say at the conclusion of the service that there has been an item that needed to be dealt with immediately. So the pastor would say, after the service, I would like to have a short meeting with the board. Have you ever heard pastors say that? Sure you have. I've been done it, not a lot, but there have been times when there have been something pressing that could not wait and had to be dealt with after the service or after a prayer meeting, etc. One pastor rose one Sunday morning in church and before he preached, he said, after the preaching, after the service, I want to have a meeting with the board. So, of course, after the service was being concluded, the board members made their way to the platform when dear Aunt Susie walked up to the platform as well and stood among the board deacons. Pastor wondered, how in the world am I going to do this without offending Aunt Susie? So he looked at her and he said, what are you doing, Aunt Susie? She said, I'm here for the meeting. So he looked at her again and he said, but Aunt Susie, this is a meeting of the board. She said, I know, I'm not there. If I heard what you said, it's a meeting of the board. So trying then to calm down, he looked at her again, but he said, Aunt Susie, this is a meeting of the board. She said, I know, Pastor. He said, the church board. She said, let me know, but you know, Pastor, there's nobody bored around here anymore than I am. <laughs> well, hopefully none of you will do that this morning. <laughs> We are brought face to face with the book of Acts, with the Christians and the Hebrews. We see a dispute or a murmurings or complainings within the early church about the administration to help those that were in need. The Grecians and the Jews both felt that they were being treated wrongly. And this is where we are brought face to face in this scripture this morning. And I want to look rather quickly. The church in Acts chapter 6 was experiencing growing pains. Newcomers were crowding in and thus problems were being created. Things were not as normal. So the, the guidelines that they had placed before were now overtaxing the apostles who were commissioned to preach the word and to lead the people in the ways of God. So the first business meeting of the church is located in the book of Acts chapter 6. The first time men were chosen to be leaders in the church is here in Acts chapter 6. There was a lack of organization. There was too much consecrated 
this portion of Scripture, we see something had to be done. Verse 2 says, the King James says, it is not reason. Or another translation says, this should not be. It is not pleasing. It is not satisfactory. It is not acceptable that the apostles are getting away from the study of the Word of God and from their prayer closets. The apostles were to lead and to teach the people in the ways of God. They were to be people of prayer. But now they're attending to tables. Now I've been in the ministry long enough. I dislike tending tables. There's more foolishness that I've had to deal with over the years that I call the tending of tables. And it consumes your mind. It consumes your body. And the pastor who should be bombarding hell and visiting in the community and touching lives are standing between the quarrelsome two people who are arguing over something that won't matter in heaven or hell. Do you hear me right now? So therefore, this, this complaining begins to happen among these two groups of people. This should not be. This is not pleasing nor satisfactory, nor is it acceptable. This was a great concern to the early apostles. And they tried, as they tried to lead the Holy Spirit-empowered church into their generation and into the hour in which they were. So this problem arose between the Grecians and the Hebrews. Now who were the Grecians? Well, the Grecians were Jews who spoke Greek as a result of living in educated places. We see that the, these people were living and had become educated where the Greek language was the language of that village, that country, or that colony. So they were Greek-speaking. The Grecians felt that their people, especially the widows, were neglected while the Hebrews were not. This was the day before government social nets. There were, there were no widow's allowances, no old age pension, no Canada pension, no welfare benefits. And if the church didn't care for their widows, there was no social net to care for anybody. So now the Grecians are saying, we've come into the gospel, we've been transformed by the gospel, and all of a sudden now our widows are being treated different than the Hebrews as their widows are being treated. And this is the background for us, Richard. So this meeting was called by the apostles. It wasn't called by members of the church. It was called by the leadership of the church. I want you to get that in mind. This first business meeting was called by the apostles, by the leadership of the church. They recognized something had to be done about the circumstance that they were finding themselves in. It was possibly the first business meeting. And I believe it is because you will find no other record of a business meeting like this. The 12 apostles could no longer serve on tables. They needed a solution. For the apostles' mandate was for prayer and ministry of the words. Now for those of you that don't think it takes a long time to prepare, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a work but needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. How dare I stand in this pulpit, not prepared with the word of God. It is my duty as the watchman of this congregation and the shepherd of this congregation to be in prayer and study of the word. Or I'm going to come Sundays and just read a devotional to you. After a while, a devotional will not suffice. Men and women need to be fed with the Word of God. And the shepherd that God has placed over any leadership in any congregation needs time in the prayer closet and in the study of the Word so that they know what God wants spoken. And I'm going to say right now, I have not spoken what people want. I got people telling me all the time what they want preached. Well, guess I got news for you. I preach what God gives me and now what man gives me. So apostles could not get in the prayer closet and study the word, they would be listening to the whims of the people. 
You know, I got some people love us preaching hard on sin because homosexuality doesn't touch them. They love it when I preach on adultery because they haven't committed adultery. But when I preach on tithing and robbing God, well, don't preach on that. Or when they talk about backbiting or not watching our mouth, don't preach on that. Listen, we preach the whole counsel of God. And therefore, the whole counsel of God is what brings life to any situation in any life. The serving of tables. In the New Testament times, business was transacted over tables. You're even to search the Old Testament. Business transactions, and of course we know the story of Jesus going into the temple. They were transaction business in the church and robbing the people. Jesus overturned the tables because they were crooks and they were taking from the poor, lighting their own pockets. The work of administering and distributing care to those in need would have been carried on over tables. The apostles studied the situation and concluded that they were to blame. They were so busy serving tables that they were neglecting prayer and the ministry of the word. There's an Old Testament story of Moses. Do you remember how he would become the counselor of the people? And he took advice from his own father-in-law. His father-in-law said, you can't keep this up. This is too much for you. You're going to get overwhelmed. So he gave them advice that there should be some appointments so that they could carry the load of the ministry. Now we see Moses' model being demonstrated in the early church. The men of God that had been called of God to lead the church now needed people that would come alongside them. This is not to suggest that the serving of tables is a menial task because every ministry is important. Not once did they say that waiting on tables is useless or the waiting on tables should not happen. They said the waiting on tables is important. Therefore, we're going to send leaders to wait on tables so that we can fulfill the Great Commission and go into all the world and preach the gospel with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. It was a matter of priorities. D.L. Moody, that great preacher, once said, it is better to put ten men to work than try to do the work of ten men. And I believe that is true. Amen. The word deacon. We've got away in Pentecostal circles from using the word deacon. But the word deacon is a biblical word that refers to the election of those who carry the ministry of the church in line with the apostles. The word deacon simply means servants. Servant. If anybody has aspirations to become a deacon and they are not firstly a servant, they will not succeed as a deacon. A deacon begins as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first elders were chose to serve. They were chose to assist. They were chose to strengthen the hands of the apostles so that prayer and the preaching of the word never be neglected. There's one thing I commend about Deerling. There's lots I commend about Deerling. Matter of fact, I love Deerling. And I love you folks. But do you know what I do commend about Deerling? Many things. Is that we have a lot of people willing to serve on tables. We do. We have people willing to say, Pastor, you don't need to leave the prayer group. I will. Pastor, you don't need to set up the tables for the sweetheart banquet. We'll take care of that. Pastor, you don't need to clean out the supply room. We'll do that. You hear what I'm saying? There's lots of people serving on tables, and I throw you a bouquet today. Because if the pastoral staff had to run every ministry from top to bottom of this church, we would not be able to stay here. But thank God for you. Give yourselves a hand this morning. We commonly call these seven men deacons 
Because the Greek word, and I'm not going to pronounce it this morning, in Acts chapter 6 means administration. So the waiting on the tables. The verb means to serve. So in Acts chapter 6 and 2, both the noun and the verb is used to give us the English word deacon. They are to serve in the administration of the kingdom of God and in the work of God. It is important today. Now what does the scripture say? And I'm going to try to stay to my notes because i got a lot to say this morning. So I'm going to try my best, okay? So I don't get off topic. Number one, look out from among you. Now I want to serve firstly any church who would not look for deacons who are members of their own church have already faulted. It would be ludicrous for us to say we're going to go outside of the membership of our church and get people to serve as deacons. Right away the apostle says, look out from among you. Don't go anywhere else. The leaders that God wants to wait on tables are sitting among us. They are people of likewise faith. They are people of likewise character. So it is a thing inconceivable in the New Testament that men of the world or women of the world would be invited to take part in the operation of the church. Now I've been criticized over the years. Pastor, you should let the unsaved serve. Listen, they first need to know who Jesus is before they can serve the church. Uh. They need to have how in the world can they understand biblical principles if they haven't understood the author of the biblical principles. So look out from among you. Look out from among you of good report. Good report. We want leaders in the church who are people of good report. Whatever his profession, if his family, his co-worker, his friend, and his church family have no high regard for the reality of his profession, he is not eligible for the office, an honest report. The Greek word here means integrity, Christ-likeness, godly living, respectful, and an example. So a person of good report. Listen. If you, you wouldn't want a pastor this morning that didn't have a good name and dear name. Come on. Amen. Someone said amen. I don't know who. But would you be disappointed in me if everywhere you went they talked about I was hot-tempered? Didn't watch my speech? Very high with women? Do you hear what I'm saying? You would be appalled, wouldn't you? Matter of fact, if you're spiritual, most of you would write a letter to the board and say, we got a pastor who's got a hot temper, who doesn't watch his words, and is stepping out line of the scriptures. Well, listen to me. Not only should the pastor of the church live a good life that has a good report, so should every leader in the church have a report in Deer Lake as a good report of men and women who believe the word, live the word, and act the word. And I believe that because the scripture says it. Look among you, people full of the Holy Spirit. They say, oh, was a work in gold and silver and stone, wood and linen, and for he received the endowment of power. Likewise, Moses and Aaron was anointed for their duties. In the Old Testament, all priests, all vessels, and all temple was anointed. Are we Pentecostal? Do we have an upper room experience? Now hear me right now. As we dissect a little farther into the writings of the Apostle Paul, we will find that he talks more about the fruit than he do the gifts. Amen. Amen. I knew no one was showing him that. 
Spirit is not how often you speak in tongues. The gift of the Holy Spirit enables us to live in the community while we live in the church. The greatest testimonies I've heard has not been in church. Believe you me. I won't say what's in my mind. Lord help me this morning. The greatest testimonies I've heard have been people who walk the streets of our towns and have lived on Monday what they believed on Sunday. That is who we look. People full of the Holy Spirit in their thinking, in their living, in their daily lives. And the Holy Spirit is evident in everything that they say. We're not perfect, but we're people of the Spirit. Amen. Look out from among you, people full of wisdom. If we ever need people in leadership today who have wisdom, it is in this hour. The Bible tells us the tribe of Essachar understood their times. Do you hear me? The tribe of Essachar understood their times and were able to minister in the times they were in. We need people of wisdom. My grandmother used to say when some people couldn't control everything here, came out here. Joking, the grandmother used to say they were absent that day when wisdom was passed down. <laughs> we need people of wisdom. Wisdom when to speak, when not to speak. Wisdom how to deal with situations. Wisdom how to deal with fellow believers. Wisdom how to promote, promote the Word of God. Wisdom how to deal in our communities. We need people of wisdom. Which is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, of good fruits, impartial, and without hypocrisy, James chapter 3 and verse 17 says. Paul now addressed the pastors, Timothy and Titus, about the leadership in the church, that he would impart wisdom that every everyone needed in every church and every generation. And I read them to you this morning. So we're going to dissect them rather quickly. A good reputation. I had a pastor tell me one time he's with the Lord now. But back years ago, well, some of you can remember when we nominated from the floor. Anybody remember that? Brother Harvey, I'm sure you'll remember. Thank the Lord we got away from that. Then we moved to calling people. So we would call them. Now we send letters so we have a paper trace. But back then you called them. First one I got into ministry, that was done. You know, this like we had this year, a long list of candidates, and you call them all, I tell them they've been nominated to the board, would they just stand or not? This pastor told me he was in this church. I don't know what church it was, but I won't say it's for it. He called this older gentleman in the church, very godly man. He said, brother, he said, I'm calling to let you know that you've been nominated for the church board. Would you like to let the name stand? Without one, one thought, he said, dear pastor, that's no place for a born-again Christian. I declined the nomination. <laughs> Now, I know that's funny, but I'm sure he saw stuff over the years that he didn't want to have any part in it. And how sad of a testimony it is if our board meetings are known as rallying meetings versus strengthening the hands of the men and women of God and propelling the vision of the lost and the dying into the community. Well, we've lost. We've lost it. Amen. The good reputation. The old saying is that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link can be applied here. A person may have great talents and extensive knowledge of the truths of the Bible. But if his life has a weak link, his reputation will suffer great damage and his or her ministry will be diminished. That's why it is important to have a good reputation. Let's move quickly to what Paul says. Paul says they are to be blameless. Now some of you are saying, Pastor, that means no one can be a deacon. Well, 
when every time I read, and I'm sure Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Hinder, all the other pastors we have here this morning, there are days that I take out my word, Pastor Sims, and I read the requirements of a bishop. The bishop is equivalent to the pastor. And there are days, Brother Tim, I read that and I say, Dear Lord, I don't qualify to be a pastor in the kingdom of God. But after I read it again, then I say, Okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me be the person that you want me to be and help me lead. So no one needs to say this morning that I can't be that person. We can all be that person through the help of the Holy Spirit. If Paul would say, Follow me as I follow Christ, we should be able to say likewise. Amen. In this hour in which we live. So blameless. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and 10. Then let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Titus 1 and 6. If any be blameless, not perfect, but living in a pattern according to the word of God. Then he says to be grave. King James uses the word grave. Well, today's equivalent for that word would be reverent. Someone who is worthy of respect. The Greek word can also mean orderly, respectful, respectable, or honorable. This is who a deacon should be. Then he talks about self-control. You see, an addict is a person who has lost control of his life. The person who is, who is the control instead of being the controller. So what does Paul say deacons need to be? Well, number one, they ought not to be double-tongued. The Bible is very clear on gossip. Do I hear an amen? The Bible tells us to avoid talebearers and strike bearers. The Bible tells us the tongue is full of deadly poison and it is, it is sharp and it can destroy. Billy Graham once said that cancer has killed thousands, but an unruly, ungodly tongue has killed tens of thousands. I believe his words this morning. The phrase speaks of the dangers of gossip. Can the deacons be trusted? Are they going to speak ill of one group and not the other? Once a man steps into the office or a woman steps into the office of the bishop or the elder, they have to recognize all of God's sheep are equally important. They have to realize there is no case system in, the, in this church or in, in the church of the living God. Therefore, we watch our tongue. Are they to be people of confidence? Can we trust them? You wouldn't want a pastor who tells every secret you brought to me. And some of you have shared some things that I'll take to my grave. You wouldn't want to come to the pastor and I'll burn the heart and think he's going to get on the phone and share with everybody. Neither should the leaders of the church either. That's why Paul addressing they are not to be double-tongued at all. Not given to much wine. One translation says not fooled by wine. Not fooled by wine. Another translation, and I like this one, which I believe is where we are today, not attached to wine. Not attached to wine. The King James says, not given to much wine. I like the translation here, not attached to wine. Now hear me today. Now some of you are already going to turn me out, but you can if you wish, but I'm going to say this anyway. Hear me today. We have a group of Pentecostals who are trying to say there is nothing wrong with social drinking. Now hear me now. Every alcoholic in this world started with one drink. And I'm going to tell you something else this morning. People say, well, overeating is in the scriptures too. And people overeat. We're dealing with drinking right now. And I've stood by open graves. 
I have, had, I have buried people that have been killed by drunk drivers. I have pulled children on their beds and their mother is in the living room bleeding from a beaten man who was drunk. And you're telling me that that is something we ought to associate with. I'm going to say right now, I'm not in Los Angeles. You can go to Los Angeles if you want. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and every other preacher you can follow. Here. I'm not in Jimmy Swaggart's church this morning. And I'm not in Bethel this morning. I'm in Emmanuel Pentecostal Church. And I know the culture of Deer Lake. I don't know the culture of Los Angeles. But I know the culture of Deer Lake. And this community is appalled that we will be controlled by substance abuse. Therefore, we need deacons who will say, well, wait, I don't need one bit of liquor. I'm happy all the time. Who wouldn't be? I got a beautiful voice, two beautiful boys, and I'm looking at all your pretty faces every Sunday. <laughs> We're not being taped. This gets my goat. I have a brother that went to Bible school. I believe that he could step out with a social drink and became an alcoholic, ruined his life. He's finally getting back on track, but it's been 20 years later. Hear me. Paul says, don't be fooled by it. Don't be captivated by substance abuse. Alcohol has ruined society, and church leaders should set an example. I commend the Salvation Army. Now, you know I love the Salvation Army. Go ahead and that. I feel like Paul. Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Well, many times when I read that, I say, I'm a debtor to the Salvation Army. You know what? That's where my father and my grandparents found Jesus Christ. But I appreciate the Salvation Army last year when they came out of their World Congress and the leader of the great general of the Salvation Army reaffirmed that they believe in total abstinence. And this was his words. How can we, as the Salvation Army, reach drunkards, bring them in for rehabilitation, and sit across the table with them, drinking the very thing that ruined their lives. He said, we were total accidents, and we will always be total accidents. I believe in total accidents.
Caesar? What is Caesar? You have a right of taxes paid in the Deer Lake, Deer Lake Town Council office and you can't afford it? That's fine. But at least have the dignity to go and tell them where you are financially and work on a paying plan. Leaders in the church ought to be taxpayers, honest in their reporting on their EI. <laughs> Some of us love us preaching on sin, but don't touch this. <laughs> Catching a salmon without a license. That's just as wrong as homosexuality. Amen. Oh my. I know. Come on! This community wants people of honesty. People who are reporting correctly. And that's what leaders in the church must be. We're not to be quarrelsome. Now I want to tell you. This is a hard one for me, especially when I open up Facebook and I read such garbage from people that should know better, and I'm in, I'm in an argument with my hand. <laughs> my hand wants to type back. And I can type back too. I can give them scripture references why they're saying is wrong, and I'm there holding my hand back, and I'm saying, no, if I respond, they want to make themselves look like a fool and 80 seniors in this community and 80 sinners in this community stop reading it and say the church in Deer Lake is gone. They must have the worst pastors they've ever had and I want to come back and I want to say something. And I say, I'm just going to be just as bad as they are because the Bible tells us to avoid foolish debates. Come on, that's just as scriptural as coming out from a volume of me, etc. And there are times that I've had to argue with my hand and say no, because once you type that, someone will screenshot it, it'll end up in Paris, France, and in Los Angeles, and every person ever knew you'll see it, and you've lost your testimony. So you know what I do? I argue with my hand, then I say, Lord, help me not put down what I want to put down, even though I know I'm right. We want leaders that are not quarrelsome. Paul says it. People that are not into controversy, or they are not into rivals. This person should be able to agree to disagree. Does this person find it difficult to participate in a dialogue if their point of view is not prevailing? Ah, this is where the truth comes. Are you going to argue only what you think is right and not let anybody else speak? Paul says we need not to be quarrelsome people if we're going to be leaders in the church. Not quick tempered. Titus chapter 1 and 7. King James says not soon angry. The NIV says not quick tempered. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 26, be angry and sin not. Proper anger is controlled and directed at what God is angry about. One pastor one day had a poor deacon, and he, he was as stubborn as a mule. There was no way the pastor could do anything. This board deacon and the pastor said, right. The deacon said, wrong. To this day, they got in a board meeting. I've told you this story before. They got in a board meeting, and the pastor said to, to the deacon board, I like, of course, to buy some new chandeliers for the church. Or Dean said, I'm against it. We don't need chandeliers. What we need is new lights. <laughs> <laughs> a few minutes later, the pastor said, Okay, that was Moscus. He was a mule and everybody went along with him. Secondly, the pastor said, We need a new fence around our cemetery. Poor Dean stood to his feet and said, Pastor, I'm against it. He said, Have you ever seen anybody inside the cemetery trying to get out? You ever seen anybody outside the cemetery trying to get in? We don't need a fence. The pastor said, Enough of this. Next day, he gets a call from the police. Police said, Pastor, we're calling to tell you there's a mule that's dead on the church parking lot. And they told him what had happened. The pastor said, okay. So he picked up the phone. He called his board member that was known as uh, stubborn as a mule. And he said, brother. He said, I just had a call from the police. And he said, oh, did you? Yes. He said, there's a mule dead on the parking lot. And we're responsible to take it and bury it. 
He said, well, what are you calling me for? He said, because they told me to call the Mexican. <laughs>
As we gave you your nomination forms, we listed from our Constitution and bylaws the requirements for a deacon, and is listed there. The Constitution also lists the duties of the church secretary, who is next in command to the pastor. So if the pastor ever had to step aside due to an emergency, the board secretary then is able to, we were salvation army, we call him the sergeant major. So the board secretary steps in at a moment's notice to assist should the pastor be called away at any time in anything. <clears throat> Verse 13, there is a twofold encouragement given to the deacons who serve. First, they must receive good standing or respect. This relates primarily to their standing in the congregation. Secondly, they develop boldness in their faith. Faithful servants develop confidence and assurance in their walk with God. Deacons have a direct influence on the spiritual well-being of the congregation. So it is not surprising that the Holy Spirit listed all these qualifications for leadership as it relates to a deacon. Musicians can return. Today, as I look at the scriptures, we can see that the office of both a deacon and a bishop is one that is highly honored within the church of Jesus Christ. One writer said this, and I wrote it in my Bible many years ago. He said, the pastor is a gift to the church, but the deacon is a gift to the pastor. As we move into our annual meeting, we need to be in prayer of who God would have us choose. Same as you were in prayer over the choice of the pastor. We would choose leaders according to the scriptures. And that would be people living according to his word. Heavenly Father, you knew the agony of my soul in the prayer room this morning. You knew the agony of my mind this week as I prepared to share what I felt forcibly to share. But I have to thank you, Lord, for enabling me to share it. But I fear and faith And I have sensed your anointing upon my life this morning. And now I pray as we ponder the future of Emmanuel Pentecostal Church, we would look at what we really need. That is a greater compassion of the love and grace of God to a community that needs Jesus. Lord, watch our every step so that we might do that which is right in your sight. Hallelujah. While heads are bowed, I know I've preached up deacon. The year this morning you said, Pastor, everything you said, I believe, I need Jesus. I wish I could live like you talked about this morning, but it's very simple. All you have to do is to come to believe and you will be saved. Can we see an invitation? If you hear you're here to meet Jesus, you're next to me, you're never known to get out. Let's be singing in her.
Lord's Supper. You can come as we sing and the pastors will give you the emblems that we will take in our usual fashion. But we thank you today that the grace of God is ours. Are you thankful? And we give you grace. Let's stand, shall we, as we stand.
proven the lie, representing the blood of Jesus Christ, the olive and bread that we have today, representing his body. Every time we partake of the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are remembered that he came for love, he came for grace, he came for mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Today, as we sing it again, can we sing the last verse? As we sing it together as our testimony, if you're thankful for the grace of God and the love of God, you're thankful what this cup represents and what this bread represents. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you to show the Lord's death till he returns. We thank God for that hope that told our cup and our bread as we sing it as our testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Lift your hands to heaven, our church treasurer will lead us in prayer. If you want 